Welcome to Easter Sunday. Man, I love this day. Amen? How many today um, in the house, you're here for the first time? Just, just raise your hand. I just want to see several hands around. Awesome. Give them a great hand today. Amen? Awesome, awesome. We're glad you're here. We're truly, truly glad you're here. So, um, now my wife may tell me different, but in, uh, in 28 plus years of pastoring this church, I've, I've never opened in my message with a funny story. Have I? Anybody ever remember me opening with a funny story? Well, I never have. Um, and so today, I have a funny little story, because it's going to help make a point with what I'm going to talk about and, and, and preach on. So there was this, uh, this family that went to church on Easter Sunday, and uh, when they got home, the little girl, we'll call her Opal, and uh, little Opal said to her mama, Opal said, Mama, today... I learned a new song about a cross-eyed bear named Gladly. And it took her mother a while before she realized that the hymn or the song that little Opal had been singing was really Gladly the Cross-Eyed Bear. <laughs> now, I'm not familiar with that hymn, but meaning Jesus Gladly the Cross-Eyed bear I would bear and the little girl said I learned this new song and I had to, I had to make sure I had it here so I, I wouldn't stumble on the words but she learned the song about a cross-eyed bear named Gladly <laughs> well the, the moral of the story there is that there are a lot of times that we think we know things that we really don't know. We think we understand certain things that we really don't understand. And uh, today, I'm going to share with you the conclusion of our series we've been on regarding love's triumph. Love, ha love through Jesus Christ. God so loved that He gave His only Son. He gave the best of heaven that you and I could be liberated and free. And uh, I think that most people understand, well, I don't know, I don't know how many people understand it or not, but I think a lot of people understand that um, Easter is about, about Jesus. I think a lot of people in this country understand that. I, I, you, sometimes we might think that everybody understands what we think, but we don't, we're deceived in that. There's a lot of people that don't understand at all. And uh, so today I've, I, I'm ending this series with a question. And my question is this. Loved triumphed for what? What did love triumph for? What did love overcome for? And so we're going to talk about that a little bit today. Um, I, I want to just give you 
out of Matthew 26. We can turn there. And uh, I've got a number of maybe three pictures that I'm going to put up on the screen that I want you to look at. But in Matthew 26, and uh, starting with the 26th verse, um, the 26th verse starts with the Last Supper. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and He blessed it, and He broke it and He gave it in verse 26 of chapter 26. And He gave it to the disciples and said, Take and eat, this is My body. And, he, and, and this, was, this was the Last Supper, which is what we do and will do today at the end of this service, our communion that the Bible says as often as you do it, do it in remembrance of what He's done and what He's accomplished. And, and the 30th verse says, And when they, at the end of the, the supper, when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Um, I've, got a, I've got a picture, if you can put that up for me. I've got a picture of the Mount of Olives. That's a, that's a picture from the Mount of Olives, and that is the city of Jerusalem. When I, when I traveled there several years back, um, we went to all the different sites. And so, <clears throat> his disciples came out of the Last Supper, and they're standing there looking at that. And that's the old wall, and, you know, that's a lot of that, very little of the that very little of that is the old wall. There's different places that are, but, but that's what, pretty much what it looked like or what they, they were looking at. And uh, they came out, and he, he began to say to them, in verse 31, Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But... After I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. And Peter answered and said to him, Even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. I will never be made to stumble. Now fo- follow with me on this and just think about this for a moment. He said, he, P- Peter steps up and he's telling them they're going to all forsake him. And Peter said, there's no way. Okay? So they're standing, that picture you just saw, they're standing there. And they're looking out over the city, and he's giving them some instruction. And the first one is, you're all going to forsake me. Wow. So, after he shared that with them, it says in verse 36, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. I have another picture of the Garden of Gethsemane in Israel. <clears throat> and you see the olive trees that are there, and there's two trees in the garden. This is, there, there's two pieces to the garden. This is the, if you're looking down, from, from the Mount of Olives, it's about a half a mile walk from where, where you saw the picture, right straight down to the Garden of Gethsemane. So it's that close. So they, they took the Last Supper, they stood on the Mount of Olives, and then they walked down to the Garden of Gethsemane, a, a number of them did. And he told the ones that were with him, you sit here and wait and pray, and I'm going uh, to the other side and pray. And there were two sides of it, and so he went to the other side. Well, in that garden, there are a couple of olive trees that they, they know for a fact. 
There are things that they know for a fact, and then there are things they just speculate about, and sometimes they just kind of let people believe it so because it makes them feel good. But there are certain things that they know for a fact, and they know for a fact that two of those trees in the garden were there when Jesus was there, the night he was there, and the night he was betrayed. But, but I want you to notice something about this picture here. Uh, I mean, about, about the Garden of Gethsemane, what happened. So he told them to pray, um, and in verse 39 he says, And he went a little farther, and he fell on his face, and he prayed, saying, Jesus said this, verse 39, O my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Now, what we see, and the Scripture clearly reveals this, what we see through Scripture is that when Jesus entered into this time in the garden, when he entered into this time, the Bible says he began to sweat blood. And in the sweating of blood, what was happening is he was beginning the process of taking all sin, all sickness, everything evil upon himself for the deliverance of mankind, for you and I, everybody that had ever lived and everybody that ever will live. Uh, in this dispensation of time, he died for. Amen? He liberated us. But we see here clearly that Jesus' will and the Father's will were not the same. I've preached this a lot, and every place I've preached this, when I've preached it in different places and I've made that statement, I've had people even argue with me. I mean, did Jesus just say, if there's any other way, but not my will, but yours be done? What, 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 what does that mean? I mean, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I have a little bit of education, but I, I think I can figure that out. That means Jesus had one will, and the Father had a different. And what Jesus was saying, I choose your will over mine. Right? That's what we're talking about today. Why did love triumph? What was the triumph for? And we see here clearly that if Jesus, after 33 years of ministry and life on planet earth, if Jesus was still struggling with doing the Father's will, there was a struggle in him, I'm telling you today, you and I struggled to do his will. He chose the Father, and when he chose the Father right then, Right then is when the process was ended. When he made the choice to do the Father's will, the whole process was ended. Now, he had to go through everything. He had to be raised on the third day. And you can put my, th- my third picture up there. And this is the picture that we have right there. There's a, in Israel, there's a, um, there, there's tombs, everywhere there there are burial places everywhere and in every burial place there the the body fluids of the person that was wrapped in the in the in the linens the body fluids stain an impression into the stone there there's no there's no stain because he wasn't there he was there long enough to barely long enough for his body to get cold right third day he's alive amen and i'm telling you today Jesus Christ is alive. He's not in the grave. Amen? He's not there anymore. 
Now, all of that we know. We know, we know that he died. We know his, the, the stories of, of him being in the garden. We, we realize that the grave is empty. We know that he was 40 days on the earth with his disciples and he left the earth and ascended upon high. And at the right hand of the Father, he sat down and said, It's finished. Okay, so what was finished and why? And the rest of my message today is what and why did love triumph and what, why did love triumph and what did love triumph for? This is the thing that we've got to get a hold of. And I'm telling you today that every one of us, myself included, every one of us to certain levels, we all have things in our life where we want our way and not God's, whether it's conscious or subconscious, or you're not even aware of. Everybody has to make choices every day. It's not a one-time thing you make a choice that I'm going to do right here. It's every day. You and I have choices that we make. Everybody sitting in here today has certain things based on their past and certain attitudes, certain, quote, convictions about things in life that go contrary to the, the Lord's will. And His desire is that you and I are able to die to those things and come alive in what He has for us. So, today, I'm, I'm going to, the rest of this message, I'm going to read three passages of Scripture and I'm going to show you some things that I think that will really help you if you hear it. Because you know what? If, if the crucifixion, the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus Christ, if it's not helping you, then there's something wrong. And it's not Him. If it's not helping you day to day, then there's something wrong. And you know what? Thank God for the pictures from Israel. Thank God for all the places that he went. Thank God for the empty tomb. Thank God that he did what he said. But you know where we're living today? We're not living staring at the cross with Jesus still hanging on it. He's off the cross. Amen? He's done. It's a done deal. It was done over 2,000 years ago. It's finished. Now what we've got to be concerned about is from here on. Now we've got to take what he accomplished and really put it to work. So, I'm going I'm to talk about a word today that is not real popular, but I believe by the end of this message, you're going to be excited about it. Amen? So we're going to start in Hebrews 5. Well, I said three passages, it's four because this one too. Um, Hebrews 5 and verse 7. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications 
with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of, of his godly fear. That was what he was doing in the garden. That verse of scripture is a description of what happened in the garden. He, so he was, he was weeping and, and pouring his heart out in the garden to the Father. Notice what he says though. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Now, Jesus, <clears throat> Jesus suffered, and he died, he bled, and he died so that you and I wouldn't have to suffer. But what, what I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to paint a picture for you today that there is Jesus suffering, and then there's a picture in the Bible that is painted of our suffering. Jesus suffered and died. We don't suffer what he suffered. But as a man on planet earth, living day to day like you and I did, like we do today, when he was here, he suffered day to day as a human being, and he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. Okay? Now I'm going to define suffering in a really, with a really short definition um, of something that I think we can grab a hold of in a greater way. But the suffering that we're talking about from Scripture is being extracted from self. That's where we suffer. Being extracted from ourself. Being set free and delivered of ourself so that everything He is can fill us up to overflowing so that we think like Him, we act like Him, we respond and we make choices according to His will that He actually gave us the power to do. What did love triumph for? To give you and I the power to be liberated of ourselves and empowered by Him at all times. At all times. At all times. We don't have to give in to anything. We don't have to settle for anything in life. But you will suffer. Scripture says in, I think it's in Timothy, 2 Timothy, maybe 3, all those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Everybody say suffer. The suffering we're talking about is not suffering the death on the cross. But what we're talking about is taking up our cross daily and allowing our lives to be alive unto Him. Saying, you know what? No more of that attitude. And what's going to arise in me is a new attitude and a new idea and a fresh way of thinking that's going to empower me to help empower other people. Because the life I'm talking about is a very unselfish life where it's not about you, but it's about what God can do in and through you for the good of other people. We live, I heard somebody say this the other day. I'm not, I'm not confessing this over our nation, but this is what I heard. We live in a fatherless generation where there are no fathers. 
I don't know about you, but how many fathers I have in the house? Well, my family's not fatherless. Amen? I mean, I've made some mistakes as a father. I've done some things that weren't totally wrong, right, and, 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 I made, and, and I had to correct those, and I'm correcting them even to today, but we're not living in a fatherless generation. But if you don't have any examples, how are people going to know how to be a father? Right? If your earthly father, you know, failed or was not the best example or whatever, how, how, how is it going to happen? Because you're going to have spiritual surrogate fathers who are going to rise up and begin to have right attitudes and change the way they think and, and, and the way they respond to situations to give you examples of how it really should be done. And he created everybody sitting in this house today to be that person. Fathers, mothers, whoever you are. Amen? He created all of us to be that way. So I want to show you something that was a real, <clears throat> it was a real difficult passage of Scripture for me for years. <clears throat> I don't know about you, but, you know, as, as I've grown, I've, I've been saved for 40 years now this year. And uh, there were just different times when I'd read stuff and I'd just kind of pass over it. I think, eh, we'll get to that later, you know. I want, the good, I want the good stuff over here. The liberty and the freedom and the prosperity and the healing and all that. But then I'd pass over some Scripture and say, I was thinking, man, Jesus had a bad hair day or something. I mean, he, he was ticked off at everybody. or I don't know what happened. Why would he write that, you know? <clears throat> and, and so what I want to read is, I'm going to read it in the New King James, and then I'm going to read it in a different translation that really opened my eyes. And it's in Luke 14, and uh, starting with verse 25. Luke 14 and 25. <clears throat> now great multitudes went with him, and he turned and he said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, yes, and his own life, also he cannot be my disciple. Dang! I just looked over that one. I'm thinking, I don't hate my parents, I mean, my wife, my kids. I mean, I don't hate them. That's what it said. That's what the scripture says, right? Man, I'd read over that and notice some more good things it said. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost whether he has enough to finish it? Lest after he's laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, does not sit down first and consider whether he's able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20? Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. So, I want to read this. I won't, we won't have this on the screen, but I want to read this. Um, I, don't, I, don't even, I don't even know what this version is, uh, but it's the CEV version. Contemporary English version. That's it. Well, I really like this one. <clears throat> uh, and, and, and what it did is it opened my eyes to what that was saying. Okay? And, and that's the way you've got to use, you've got to use Scripture because, see, God will never... People, see, people can read something like that and in their thinking, they get it in their mind 
that God is that way so, you know, that God contradicts himself. He says one thing over here and then he says something else, but it's never that way. That's why you have to seek it out when you get the foundation of who God is and what his nature is and what he's accomplished through the blood of Jesus. Then you have to, the, the word has to, you, 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 you can't interpret it based on just our western-minded thinking about certain things. You've got to know what it's really meaning. And the Holy Ghost is there to reveal those kind of things to you. So this is what the CEV says. Large crowds were following along with Jesus when he turned and said, You cannot be my disciple unless you love me more than you love your father, your mother, and everybody else. Amen. How good is that? Now, Jesus wasn't saying this. He wasn't saying, you know, if you, if you act in any way like you love your mother more than me, then you're not my disciple. He wasn't saying that. What he was saying is, if you don't learn and develop and renew your mind to God's way of thinking and, and develop a love for God in believing that God will do exactly what he said he'll do, then you, you won't you won't follow through with the attributes of a true disciple. See, you won't do it. What he's trying to say here is, as he goes on, he said, who, if they're building a tower, is not going to count the cost? Now, 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 I like the way he says this. Um, in verse 28, suppose one of you wants a, to build a tower. What's the first thing he'll do? Won't you sit down and figure out how much it will cost and if you have enough money to pay for it? Otherwise, you will start building the tower but not be able to finish. Then everyone who sees what is happening will laugh at you. Listen to me. You know what he's talking about here is the Christian walk. He's saying that if you don't begin to count the cost and to, to, to realize, listen to me, to serve Jesus is going to cost you. Yeah, but Pastor, I turned, I, there was no cost. I mean, salvation was free. Oh, salvation's free. Salvation is free. But the walk, see, remember, there's the suffering of Jesus, sickness, disease, sin, all those things. We don't, we don't take that suffering on, see? But the suffering that we go through is the extraction of ourself. Because, see, the day you got born again, you didn't change your thinking. Every day. Your soul is being renewed. The Bible calls it a soul salvation every day of your life. You're renewing your mind all the time. You think one way when you come into the kingdom. You get born again, you don't change your thinking. Your thinking changes as you begin to hear the word taught and then you meditate and allow the Holy Spirit to reveal that truth to you. And if that process is not working in you every day, then you're not being extracted. And what happens a lot of times is people try to avoid suffering. Now, we're gonna, I'm going to give you a couple of really good examples of what I'm talking about regarding suffering, okay? So that you don't misunderstand what he's saying here. But what he is saying in this passage of Scripture is what will happen in you is your desire will be to give everything up. In other words, nothing will control you. I'm not talking about monetary things. Yeah, monetary things will be a, a, an end result, but nothing is going to control your life. You're not going to let anything in the world 
control the decisions that you make. And that's a lifelong process that you begin to step into and a journey that you decide to take as the Word becomes real to you. Okay? Now, follow with me on this. Stay with me. Don't, don't, Don't get distracted. Watch what he says. Um, Colossians 1 and verse 24. Colossians 1 and 24. And I'm going to read this out of two translations also. Okay, 1 in 24. This is Paul saying this. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you. Paul saying this. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of what? His body, which is the church. There were things lacking in Christ's affliction. What he went through, there's things that were lacking in what he went through. Absolutely. You know what was lacking? Us walking it out. He paid the price and it was full. He died one time for all people and it was a finished work. But is the finished work helping you on a day-to-day basis? One thing that has helped me, I'm not talking down to you, I'm talking to you. And I'm telling you what's worked for me and what is really helping me. Is I had to understand what suffering is really all about. Not suffering his part, but me walking and willing to suffer by taking up my cross daily and changing the way I think. So that now what I do is not my will, but it's his will. Amen? That what I'm accomplishing day to day and what I'm doing day to day is fulfilling the will that he has for my life. I've been teaching about how that before the foundation of the world, before the foundation of the world, God had his plan already set up for you before the foundation of the world. And if it was already set up before the foundation of the world, then for me to tap into what God, what his blueprint was for my life, I've got to allow the Word to begin to change me, and then I have to be willing to suffer through some extraction. And the extraction is all mental. If you were told when you were young that you were a loser, and you would always be a loser, if that never changes, you won't be able to do much for the body which is His church. You know why? Because every choice and decision that you will make will be tainted by loser. When God, before the foundation of the world, created you winner. Say it, I'm a winner. winner. We could spend the rest of the service and you declaring that you're a winner. You're a winner. You're a winner. You come up and shake my hand. I'm a winner. I'm a winner. Walk out in the car. Man, I'm a loser. At the end of the day, you're going to believe what you say and what you think about you, no matter what anybody else says. And listen, God has empowered you and I with the Word of God, 
with the person of the Holy Spirit to reveal the truth to us, to give us the power to make the choices and make the changes. Amen? We're not here on our own. We're not here doing this thing by ourselves. Listen what the... uh, uh, Did I read verse 25? I didn't. Of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. was given to him for us. What's, what's given to you, what is revealed to you, the will of God becomes a part of your life and you're a doer of that. It's given to you for others. We're here to not be about ourselves, but to be here for the good of others. Can you say amen? Now, listen to this in, the, in God's word translation. Paul says this, I am happy to suffer for you now. I'm happy to. Happy? Who wants to suffer? Well, when you understand what suffering is, it's the extraction of things in you that are not going to do you any good anyway. Why, why would we want to hold on to this stuff anyway? Come on, right? Watch what he says. In my body, I am completing whatever remains of Christ's sufferings. I'm doing this on behalf of his body, the church. I became a servant of the church when God gave me the work of telling you his entire message. What he's saying here is, I'm happy to do this. I want to do this. Because at that point in his life, he had learned that, listen, one thing I do, forget what's behind. I'm pressing toward the mark that's in Christ Jesus and everything that he did. And I'm going to learn more about it every day. And I'm not going to just remember on Easter Sunday how important it is. I'm not going to just experience it there on Easter Sunday morning. You know, I'm going to know it every day. Everybody say, Easter's every day. God wants His resurrection to be every day in our life, not just one Sunday. Thank God for today, and thank God for people all over the world that are getting saved today because of the revelation of what Jesus did. Amen? We know it. But after that day, then it's got to work for us. Right? If it's not working for you, then, you know, in, in most situations, if it's not working for somebody, they'll be back next Easter. See, and and what church is about is the Word. Church isn't just about the gathering, it's about the Word. Because when you hear the Word preached, then the Holy Spirit can take what's preached and reveal it to you personally, and and then in that moment, he He can cause things to truly happen. Right? That's when it really, really happens. Can you say amen? Okay. Getting close. Um. So, in the Old Testament, in Isaiah, I think it's, it's Isaiah 1 and 19, it says, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. If you're willing and then obedient to do, you'll eat the good of the land. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I want to finish up with this passage. <clears throat> Second Corinthians chapter 4. And we're going to start with verse 8. Paul's talking about in this passage here the what what the revelation of the word will do for you that it'll deliver you from 
old ways of thinking. Here he's talking about, about old covenant uh, understanding. Even in this day, the church at Corinth was still living back under the law. And he was talking to them about how to be liberated and free. And so, here he says a number of things. And I want to start with verse 8. He said, We are hard-pressed on every side, yet. Everybody say yet. yet. Okay? Verse 9, Persecuted, but okay so there's a yet and a but in these next few and it depends on what side of the yet and the but that you're on that'll determine the outcome so let's read it again we're hard pressed verse 8 on every side yet not crushed Anybody ever been pressed on hard? Feeling like you just, you're stressed? I mean, it just feels like this pressure? Well, if stress and pressure in my life are pressing me, it's not over. But it's not going to be over if all I talk about is stress and pressure. Man, baby, you don't know what's happening. I mean... I did this, and I mean, I'm just stressed to the max, and I'm this, blah, 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 you know, on and on and on. He said, he said, we're hard-pressed yet. Lord, I know those last few days, man, it's been hard. This stuff's come at me. I feel like it's hit me from every direction. But I know your word is true. I know that the blood of Jesus liberated me and set me free. Yet, even though... In this scripture, I'm hard-pressed, yet. Verse 8, I'm not crushed. Amen? Amen. Everybody is going to experience times where you feel like there's a hard pressure coming at you. I'm telling you today, what Jesus died for, for you and I, was to empower us to change the way we think about the things we face. What I know today after 40 years is when I feel hard-pressed, he's already been there. He already felt it for me. And I can overcome every single time. See, if you stay on, you stay on the left side of yet, you're going to be hard-pressed continually. If you get on the right side of yet, yet you're not crushed. Yet my deliverance day is coming, yet this stuff is coming off of me. How many know things, there are things that you're facing today that in two weeks from now, you're forgotten. See, but what, what, what matters is, what matters is that today can I get over it so I can help someone else get over it. See, that's what matters. That's what he did. God, if there be any other way, if there's any other way, yet not my will, but yours be done, and, and he made the choice, and in that moment, all of humanity was delivered and set free because he wasn't going back on it. And you know what? Every time you make the choice in the moment when you're hard-pressed and you don't go back on it, other people's lives will be changed. Yours and other people's in that moment. Notice what he said. Persecuted, but not forsaken. 
persecuted, but not forsaken. What was the scripture I read earlier? All those who desire to live godly in Christ, they will suffer persecution in this life. Persecuted for what? Persecuted by, well, you know, they're going to, that means that, you know, if I, if I go somewhere that they're going to cut my head off. Not, not that type of persecution. Even though those things happen, okay, even things in the natural happen, what he's talking about right here is persecution for the word's sake. Now, if it turns into something like that, and that's the end result of a situation like that, okay, that, that, that is between that person and God, okay? But we did, he died a death that you and I wouldn't have to die. Even though the disciples died specific deaths, that doesn't mean that your life has to go that way. Everybody leaves or situations in the natural happen based on how we're believing God for certain things. Now, listen to me. Some people, all they want is the blessing. All they want is the blessing. I want to be healed, delivered, prosperous, set free, all that. Other people, all they can talk about is the suffering. Well, I'm persecuted and I'm suffering for Christ and I'm this. and All they talk about is the suffering. I believe there's a middle ground. See, there's a middle ground in there. There's Jesus suffering and then there's my suffering. See, and the middle ground is me being extracted from my way of thinking me being delivered of that, what can happen after 2,000 plus years, what should be happening in the earth today through the church? Should it be a little stronger than the early church? Absolutely, it should be a lot stronger, right? I mean, God always increases and He always moves forward with things. We should be doing more than what the early church did, but in a lot of cases, we're not doing more, we're doing less, and we're still learning from what the early church did, and the main reason is we're not dealing with our soul. We're not changing the way we think. We're not allowing our will to be His will and making the choice to do it. Listen, there's a cost, and are you willing to pay that price? He died that you and I would be liberated, spirit, soul, and body, socially and financially, physically, and in every way. You're in my cross that we bear is the cross of kindness, being kind in an unkind situation, selfishness, always thinking about yourself instead of thinking about the good of others, right? Unforgiveness. Yeah, but you don't know what they did to me. No, I don't. And there are things that I carried for a number of years in my life of unforgiveness toward people, family members, different ones. But you know what? All forgiveness will do, unforgiveness will do, is it will create a hole inside of you and it'll be like a cancer and it'll eat away at your life. And Jesus liberated you. I, I don't know how. I don't know how today that I'm living free from unforgiveness that I had towards people that hurt me in my life. I don't know how I'm doing it, but I'm doing it. And the only reason I'm doing it is because the word is working on my behalf. I don't know how that necessarily works. I just know I did what he said, and it's liberated me, and it's made me free. Now, does it just go away? No. No, you have to. It's a daily thing. You take up your cross daily and choose to be kind, choose to walk in unforgiveness, not allow the root of bitterness to have place in your life. You choose it every day. That's the suffering that we deal with. That's what you and I go through on a day-to-day basis. Now, whatever happens as a result of that is between you and God. See? People try to put the suffering thing like you got to, you know, you, you, you won't be accepted by God unless you, you know, die on the field somewhere. 
okay? And I'm not taking back from what all, all the persecution and the deaths and the untimely deaths of people and things that have happened out, out in the field. But I also know that once I make the choice to be delivered in my soul, the word works. How, how many people have you ever heard that in the natural that they should have been taken out, but the angels of God encamped around about them and they protected them in all their ways? How, how many times has that happened? See, there's no end to what can happen if you get you out of the way and get so filled up with God that there's no end to what's going on. That's what Paul's saying here. Now watch, and I'm going to finish with this. He said, Always, verse 10, always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our body. Our hosts are going to pass out in a moment um, communion elements to you. And this is one of the ways you don't have to just do it at church, you can do it every day of your life. But he said, as often as you do this, you do this in remembrance of what I've accomplished, always caring about in the body the dying of Jesus, what he did, so that the life of Jesus will remain and be alive on the inside. We don't want to live in the death. We want to be reminded of the death, but the death is over. He's not in the grave. You saw the picture. There's no body fluids in the grave because he wasn't there that long. He's alive. And he's empowered you and I. And we can live this life and we can overcome the circumstances and the situations that we face as we're reminded of this every day. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our mortal flesh. Watch this. So then death is working in me, but life in you. See, every person that considers what Jesus did and that he empowered them to be extracted from their selves and, 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 and be liberated from what they want, what they demand, the selfishness and the I want it my way kind of thing. And that's not popular, right? That's not popular because we should be about ourselves. That's what most people think. But when we're delivered of that way of thinking, okay, then he said right here, so death is working in me, the death of what Jesus what, what he, the price he paid is working in me and I'm living in the life of God so that life can work in you. Things that I've gone through that I've gotten over, they're for your good. Things that you've gone through and you've gotten over, they're for the good of other people. See, what I'm preaching today is not some canned message from a book or something. I'm preaching something that I live. I'm not saying it's perfected, but I'm living it and it's working. And I can tell you there were days when I feel, felt crushed. I was so hard pressed, I thought my head was going to explode. There were times when I wanted to give up. I didn't want to do this anymore. I, I wanted to throw in the towel. I can't tell you how many times. But that's just the norm. See, that's normal life. We don't usually let people know that we feel those kind of ways, but, but that's normal life, see? And, and, and the normal life with the Apostle Paul, is you, if you listen and read all about his life, he suffered over and over and over again. He suffered through all kinds of different things in his life so that the church could be liberated. And the suffering was dying to himself 
and taking up what God's will is and making that a part of his life. So now what the Apostle Paul said, one thing I do, I forget what's behind. All my degrees, if there was a guy that had degrees, it was him. All my degrees, all my accomplishments in the flesh and all that that I'd done back there. And I, and I press toward the mark of the high calling in God in Christ Jesus. And as I see that and I focus on that, then what I'm doing is beneficial to advancing God's cause. And that's what we want to be here for. Can you say amen? And, and verse 15 and 16, and I'll end with this. For all things are for your sake, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though our outward man is perishing, yet our inward man is being renewed day by day. Though our outward is perishing, our inward is being renewed day by day. Therefore, we don't lose heart. And, and, and he goes on to say in the last two verses, while we look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen. Things that are seen are temporary. Whatever you see, a condition today, a situation today, that's subject to change. But it'll only change. It won't just change because he went to the cross. It'll change because you embrace the fact that he went to the cross. He died, he ascended, and he's at the right hand of the Father. When you embrace that and you make that a part of your life, then what he did works. Otherwise, what he did is not going to do us a lot of good. In some places, you could be stoned for saying that. But it won't work. He won't step in and make something happen. He's a respecter of people that are developing faith and trust and confidence in Him and believing what His will is and not just what we suppose is right. And today, my faith is for you to embrace that.